Welcome everyone to Telecom Radio 1. Today, we are very fortunate we have Mr. Ali Nuru from CNSG. Some people refer to him as the bad boy of telecom. Some people refer to me as the bad boy of telecom. So I really want everyone to listen up today. This is a special occasion. Ali, welcome to the show, man. Thank you, Phil. Thanks for having me, my friend. Yeah. So you are, if there were pillars of CNSG, which I'd say there's probably like 12 pillars, but if there were pillars of CNSG, you would certainly be one of them. You and I, you and I go back a long way. We've got a lot of stories together, which actually brings me to my first question, because a lot of people want to hear this, and I bet you we could have an episode of just tele crazy telecom stories, but I want, what's the first craziest telecom story that comes to mind that you can think of? And let's keep it peaceful. Uh, I not hear you. That's going to be tough to do, but no, I got to say it's, um, Back when I got out of college and I was working for Exo Communications, Exo was very close to going bankrupt. And actually, it was about a couple months prior to going bankrupt. Um, and we were told to, we used to have morning meetings. Uh, we were told to spread. And we would get on the metros and everybody would get off of different stops in the metro, the CBD district in D.C. And this is right after 9-11, mind you, right? <laughs> and um, my name being Ali and everyone having these check surveillance without you know, your license and checking. It was tough to get into buildings and cold call, but our job was to go to these buildings and grab business cards, set appointments, and grab whatever decision-making we could and abruptly interrupt their day and ask them you know, as much discovery as we could and go back to our desk and send them an email and then set up a meeting. Well, during this time, there was a couple buildings in D.C. that were being torn down, um, and these buildings were being torn down, and all the tenants actually, it was funny, it was rapid fire. They had to move out within 30 to 60 days' notice so not only do they have to find leases, move out, situate themselves just in general, deal with commercial real estate brokers, they have to also source their own telecommunication services. And they have to also move their services and or get out of their contracts and, you know, basically align their business. So we at Allegiance Telecom, prior to XO merging with Allegiance, XO and Allegiance were very competitive in the marketplace. Uh, and I was legacy XO out of college. Um, we would compete with Allegiance, quite frankly, every day. And Allegiance had a model that was pretty aggressive as far as pricing. They had a younger model, and we would run into the same building. Well, we'd be in the elevators, and it really was just a mad race to hit your quota. And these orders were rather simple to get. Um, people had to make decisions quickly, and um, it was really like shooting fish in a barrel. So at that point, I was actually in an elevator, and competitive, <laughs> young, feisty, fiery, ambitious, <laughs> compassionate, me and my, I ran into somebody named David Wilson. David Wilson, uh, as you know, is now our CEO, president, one of my best friends, and one of the founders of CSG. Um, David and I did not know each other from Adam. Uh, David and I got into a smaller altercation, words only, uh, about who was going <laughs> to win what, and you know these opportunities in the building, and et cetera. And this turned into uh, a year later, Allegiance and <laughs> Allegiance and EXO merging. David becoming uh, a colleague of mine, a friend. Uh, and then three years post that CSG forming and me becoming the third um, employee or the founder of CSG, we worked with Matt David, obviously very gracious to them for the opportunity. Uh, and then fast forward 18 years now, best friends and business partners, and we have a successful business that we've grown together. So that was uh, funny how the world kind of collided. Uh, I think that's funny, but Phil, I think what's even better is a lot of times when you and I would walk into meetings, when you were supporting us abroad, which you did a magnificent job, and we're obviously very blessed to have you on the CSG team. I think you add a lot 
to our team was when you and I would walk into meetings and we would ask customers, who do you think is Phil? Who's Ali? And I think all the clients got a huge kick out of that. And that was amazing. <laughs> so a lot of great times with you, my friend. So I appreciate everything that you've done and welcome to CSU team. Yeah, man. I wish we had the, uh, I wish we had the elevator video from years ago. It just reminds me of, it reminds me of all the old CBON guys, cold calling doors and, and going up against the I-Core guys. It was, it was CNSG and I-Core in DC and it was the same thing. Um, yeah. Just hilarious. Uh, I remember a guy telling it another, another sales rep to go kick rocks. This is my building. Um, so <laughs> that, which is, which is interesting. That's how we started out. So we, we survived that world. We survived the hitting 55 doors a day. We survived the, the churn and burn. We survived the, the training classes that were filled with 30 people that they did every month. And I remember sitting in my training class was filled with 13 people. And I looked around the training class and I said, I don't have to worry about any of these people. And I looked at two other guys. And I was like, okay, I need to worry about you. And I need to worry about you. And at the end of the year, every single one of those people had quit. And that was only one training class. And there was a training class every two weeks filled with 15 people. So that's 30 people a month. And I was the only one standing in that one training class. So it was a churn and burn. Some people refer to it as a boiler, like boiler room in full effect type of model. And I think the only one of the main reasons why I survived and no one else did was because I really cared. I really had like a lot of a business integrity and really cared about the customer and, and doing a consultative type model, regardless of the, you know, doing the Heisman and in a, you know, interrupting people's days. And I stopped by to introduce myself to the president or owner, who might that be? Could you go grab him? Thank you. Yes. You know, we, we made it beyond that. What is the, the difference that what's the difference between you and I and what's the difference that CNSG as a master telecom agency and, and the largest on the East Coast brings to the table? What's our differentiating factor that you think? Oh, there's a lot of very, very, very successful master agencies. There's master agencies that have been around well before CSG, and all of them are great in their own unique way, in their own niches. So, you know, kudos to Intellisys, Polaris, WTG, uh, a lot of respect for all those guys. Really good. Uh, on all fronts. I mean, our model is a little bit different than them. We, I think what's been, you know, pretty, uh, you know, elegant about how we've been able to build our businesses. We've been able to do it and not just be for the masses, right? We've been more of a niche approach where we have a hybrid model, uh, very insurance law furnished model where we're consultative, we're in front of the customer. We're doing a lot of the, we're having those tough discussions. We're dealing with those issues. And that's why they know it, Ali Nuru or Phil Howard deals because frankly, we're not four steps or four people removed from the opportunity or deal. Um, so we're, we're in those controversial conversations, those cutovers, those issues, those outages, those renewals, those problems, those technicians being late, just the move ad changes that just aren't happening, um, being buttoned up and airtight deliveries and onboardings and discussions. That's what makes us different. I mean, I think at the end of the day, if you look at, you know, from a personal standpoint, if you look at your insurance broker that manages your wealth management, your accountant and your wealth manager, someone manages your money, at the end of the day, what do you want from them? High acting level, responsiveness, passion, compassion, hard work, you know, ethics, and being authentic. And I think that's important. Uh, our industry, and I got to be honest with you, a lot of family members and friends of mine who have purchased telecommunication services from people in our industry or from us, even me, think that our industry has probably the most horrific customer service model or 
I think lineage in, in customer service and then the metrics for what's right or what's wrong or, you know, people being called out for not doing what's right or, you know, working hard and the definition behind that. I think a lot of the guys in the CSG team, um, and, and again, we have guys that balance us out on our team and that makes us so great. We have people that are great in so many different things, but we like to be very hands-on um, in front of the customer, handling issues, both good and bad. Uh, a lot of us don't mind getting our, our hands dirty in these issues. And um, when we're selling a carrier, the carrier loves us. Absolutely. I, mean, I think we've been, whenever we put our mind to it, we've been always in the top three with any carrier or number one, or debatably top three or number one with any carrier. But, you know, one thing I always say is we just stopped selling you because you were working so well. It's very, it's very simple. It's, it doesn't have to be emotional. We did not stop selling carriers because they were doing so well. So we've done a very good job. And, you know, with the guidance of Matt Hardy is we diversified. You know, we're all EXO guys. And you know, naturally, we started off selling a lot of EXO communications. And they're a wonderful partner carrier. But we diversified. We did a really good job with TW Telecom, Level 3, our cable practice. And, you know, Matt saw that movie coming 13 years ago. And we did a good job. And we've done a good job of, depending on the climate of the industry, moving our business around. But you remember, our model's a little different. There's some guys in the geographic U.S. that do a great job that our customer facing as well. Um, that what we do is when we're in front of the client, we're hands-on, we see the issues, we see the procurements, we see the cadence of these procurements uh, and the technology, who's delivering it the best. At the end of the day, technology is great. Technology is a lot different than it was 8, 9, 10, 12, 13 years ago, Phil. But now it's obviously a lot more cloud-based, software-based, GUI-based. Our decisions are based off that versus price and circuits and access. I think now is, you know, we if we get a good name or bad name, I think everybody appreciates and respects us. I think, and that's why we've consistently won for over 13 years. I don't think anybody's ever going to say that, you know, we didn't know what we we're talking about. We didn't work extra hard. We weren't responsive. We didn't earn a penny that we made. Or our partners, most importantly, our partners have grown their businesses in the last 13 years. And I think that's the most important thing is that the partners that we have are, who helped us build our business, you know, trust us. Because you know, we're also like a bank, right? From a fiduciary standpoint, we're paying partners out. Um, that's a huge trust component. Um, they also trust us with their customers because let's be frank, what we're selling really is not a huge money maker. Over time, it snowballs into being making a lot of money. But the MSPs, those guys from the big boxes, you know, this is just a, really a rounding error what we're selling. And if it's disruptive, it disrupts their relationship. And I think that's what's so key in our business is that we have so many of those people that bring us into opportunities to trust them. Uh, even when things go wrong, they always know we'll do the right thing. I think so that's the number one thing about us. I'm not saying we're better than any other master. They're all great. Our model is just different in that way. Mm, that's a good point. I mean, there's a lot of things to speak to there. One, people just saying that the telecom has horrible, horrible customer service is true. 38%. 38% of Americans say that telecom is and has the worst customer service. That's a, that's a statistical fact. So that means more than a third of America, we're working in an industry that more than a third of America says has the worst customer service. So if we're bringing to the table that layer that they, that, that's creating that 38%, then great. That's number one, we're, we're filling a large gap there uh, by just providing outstanding customer service. So number two, um, so that if that's the biggest problem, if that's one of the biggest problems that customers are facing is just terrible customer service, maybe just, maybe just delve into that a little bit. What are some of these problems? What are the biggest problems that, that you see a business facing on a daily basis? Um, in the telecom, it's really technology and cloud now. It's really voice data and cloud services. But what are some of the biggest problems that, that you're facing? Maybe just 
the three top three that you that you dealt with this week? Well, the, the climate today is different than it was a year ago, right? With all the mergers and acquisitions, we have a lot of larger carriers that are merging, you know, network translation issues, merging of, you know, different accounting systems, billing platforms, obviously their networks, the employees and the way they they work as far as network grooming, that causes a lot of problems and issues. Um, hosted telephony, there's so many different platforms out there, um, so many different integration points, so many different people. I, I do think what's important is um, taking technology, taking the acronyms. I deal with, we, deal, we all deal with a lot of project coordinators, and so many of them speak in acronyms and three-letter words that none of the clients understand. Uh, that becomes, what that does is it snowballs five, six more emails, a phone call that's unnecessary. It's just really doing things right the first time uh, is really big. So, you know, if we are the bad boys of telecom, that's fine. Um, once they have those calls, do the right thing, take care of your customer. And I would tell you, Phil, that the reason why we are successful is because we do advocate so hard for our customers that we make the right decisions for our customers. So um, I will say one of the biggest problems right now is the consolidation, technology consolidation, understanding, being aware of who offers what. Um, our model is different, right? Um, there are a lot of people in our business that do sell a lot of cloud computing stacks and compete with our MSPs. Very similar to the drift that we dealt with seven, eight years ago with a lot of our PBX vendors when VoIP started becoming sold transactionally. Um, I think uh, IT is a different perspective. Um, most of the stuff that I see day in, day out are customers are virtualizing to the cloud with their integrators or MSP partners or MSP, you know, partners or integrators or IT consultants, and they're looking for multiple diverse internet connections. So the days of needing an MPLS or one provider to handle fully managed layer three solutions gone, SD-WAN has been revolutionary in our space, which is great for all of us because now clients can source best of breed internet connectivity. That's where they kind of need a group like us to source based on address, location, path in the building, the cheapest, most cost-effective, and also stable internet connectivity. And then layering all the different cloud stacks on top, one being telephony, and you and I both know, and I know you love it passionately, I love it, um, it's hosted telephony, right? It's moving these phone systems to the cloud, understanding that the phone is just an aesthetic, but the integrations of all these different applications a certain business uses and doing proper discovery. I meet a lot of different partners that only sell one care, one void provider. Um, I don't know how you could do that and, and do right by the customer. So that's one part is really kind of understanding our business. And we at CSG and, and all masters are doing a really good job with this, but we're, we're putting together tutorials, many universities on cloud computing stores, hosted VoIP. Um, but at the end of the day, with our model, because we have so many different conduits of how we get our business, whether it's, you know, a commercial real estate partner, architect, an AV vendor, cabling vendor, PDX vendor, and a PDX vendor, obviously, we're not talking telephony, uh, hosted VoIP, and uh, MSP. We are really dancing to the cadence of the customer. I think we learn more in our model, because depending on the nature of the lead, we are always walking into different discovery points and discussions, which is really fun uh, for us. Um, from a customer service standpoint issue, I think that's something that, quite frankly, certain carriers and different climates or different deck parts of the decade, they perform better. You know that. And I think we all move our business based on, you know, our comfort and feel with each customer and really the success of these implementations. So. Now, from a customer's perspective, a, a customer that may not understand our marketplace, that may not understand uh, the, the industry, you know, the industry well, even a lot of maybe upper market 
kind of medium to enterprise level customers that don't understand that this world even exists and are used to, you know, parading in a parade of direct sales reps to present to them. And then you and I both know that those direct sales reps are not going to be around for more than two years. The average lifespan of a direct sales rep, I believe, is 1.6 years. And in telecom, that's probably even a longer, probably even, that's probably a long time. So what do you have to say to customers that might make the mistake of saying that, well, we don't need a middleman or we don't need a reseller, you know, that are just kind of quick to not understand really what we do. You know, what do you have to say to those customers? Because, and then also from the perspective of the vendors as well, you know, the vendors don't care that we're saying telecom has bad customer service. Why don't they care? They don't care because we actually benefit them. Um, so maybe just speak to that for a few seconds. Yeah, I mean, I think the distribution channels, um, for instance, I'll use insurance and wealth management, you know, essentially they're brokering different carriers themselves or mutual funds. They've been around, so you, people deal with brokers, people deal comfortably with commercial real estate brokers all the time. So essentially everybody's a broker or something. I mean, I deal with government bars, uh, 8A, minority owned, uh, just traditional government, uh, MSPs or just, you know, bars in general are more than more than an MSP. An MSP is more hands-on and more complicated. A lot of the bars are just resellers of Red Hat, Nimble, you know, whatever they can get their hands on, Cisco, right? And they're marketing it up and they're selling it. In our world, we're actually not white labeling anything, right, Phil? So we're just, we're selling it. Our job is to, to procure the best solution, have the highest acumen, support the business, see it through implementation, not just kind of, you know, sell something through budget at the end of a quarter and, if it takes shelf life, and that's okay. That's our model, right? We want to see it win and install. Um, and, and our job is uh, to to make sure the best price is also procured a lot of the times. Uh, a lot of times, that's quite frankly what it is. So I, I would say that we're not the middleman. I would say that really we're your liaison to understand what all the carriers that you don't pay for us. We're paid by the carrier. So there's skin in the game for all of us. And this goes for all the agents, quite frankly. Anybody competing with someone that is white labeling or doing anything like that, I think this is what's great for us and gives the co I always like to explain this to the customer. And I think it really does help explain how we get paid. Um, because if they understand that, they understand that we're representing all these different options and we're suggesting based on, you know, trial and error who we think is best based on implementations and success. Right. And that's, that means something. Right? As long as we're giving multiple options, we're objective, we're talking about it. I think that's one thing for the customer. So the middleman, you know, I don't know, if, I don't really get offended by that term, but there's a way to kind of describe it and explain it how it's different in our business. So I wouldn't necessarily say we're a middleman. As far as customer service goes, I mean, we have paid the conversations and advisory meetings with carriers all the time, and they know when things are going bad, and they know when they will be put on the sideline. We're not selling them as much, and everyone is friends and. You know, we all come back to them when they stabilize their networks. So it's part of our business. Um, I do think that if customer service was a lead in all these carriers, they probably would they be less and less of us out there because you know, that's part of our business is to be that level of service, not just the right to business. And, and, and nothing against anybody else, but I do think that's one part of what we do at CSG is that our model is made to actually stay involved and engaged as much as we can and to assist and be there after the sale or I think some other models are more just writing the business in the wall and not supporting it as much. I, and I don't know that for certain, but I do believe that uh, we are more engaged. I think when someone knows, Hey, it's a, it's a Phil Howard deal, Ali Nauru, uh, Chris Martin, they know when someone's involved or uh, like our competitor here, you know, 
I would say locally, you know, we have a competitor here who's in a deal. No one ever says the master they go through. They actually say their name, for instance. Um, and that's a good thing. I think that, you know, you're engaged and you care. So that's as far as the middleman part goes. Um, hopefully I answered that question clearly enough, but I, I don't think it's that difficult of a discussion or an obstacle to get through uh, if people just understand it. I think it's a great answer. I'll do, I'll ask you one more question. What do you see, what do you see happening in the industry over the next five years? How do you see, let's, let's just pick telecom, for example. Uh, I like talking about PBXs because people are still buying them. But what, what do you see, where do you see telecom, maybe even the phone system? Will the phone system still exist five years from now? It's funny. Um, <laughs> I, I got a lot of close friends who are PBX funders. <laughs> they may hear this. Uh, and I love those guys a piece. I do think, Phil, I, I truly do think, and some of the voice providers, a lot of my friends, uh, they get asked me for this. I do think there's still a market, and there will be a market for on-premise PBXs. I do think based on the ROI for certain businesses, depending on the seat level and the staff they have, I do think that if you rationalize some of these these numbers um, and pay for the pen, it does make sense to have an on-prem PBX sometimes. I do think that you know between now and 2022, Millions, millions of businesses are going to transition to hosted VoIP, and it's it's what 70 or 80 percent of our business is every month, right? In the last three, four years, is moving phone systems. People who are moving, people who are just moving off one VoIP provider to another VoIP provider, moving off an ancillary on-prem TDM PBX uh, for many different reasons. One, fiduciary from a financial standpoint, it's a lot, a lot more responsible. Um, I think ongoing scalability. We don't have to talk about all the values there. But I do think that's where this business is going is that really in the next three to four years, and it's funny that Jeff Pearl, uh, you got everybody in the industry knows Jeff. Jeff's a great guy. Um, I get along with Jeff. I have a lot of respect for Jeff. But Jeff once said to me a couple of years ago at our CSG holiday party here in Washington, he was in town and we had him there. This is before he started his own master agency, of course. Um, and good for him. I hope he does well. Is uh, He said to me, he's like, it's unbelievable what the opportunity is for all of us. And this was three, four years ago, of how much voice over IP transition of all these old PBXs that are out of these client sites that are going to be transitioned between now and the next four, five, six years. But you must do it right. You must do it right. You just can't hang on to one VoIP provider and just sell them. You got to stay diversified. You got to stay analytical. You got to stay objective and talk to each customer because it's not just going to be voicemail, email, move your phone to the cloud for free patches and upgrades. There's going to be so many different applications and APIs and integration points and workflows customers need, and every business is specific to that. So you need to be patient. You can't just rush it, and you really need to sit down and talk to each customer and sell the right solution. And by doing that, we, within CSD, all have to get as good or as better as our competition um, in knowing what each provider can do. And part of that is a lot of these customers, I see my customers and your customers still, they get excited, they get demos, they got this requirement list and this punch down list. And you got to meet these requirements and they want to see the workflow. But when they get to adoption, how many people truly adopt 85% of those features that they wanted so bad? Now, I don't see as much. But you know what they remember, Phil? Packet loss, white noise, latency, and how the implementation went hmm. and customer service. And I had to have a lot of I, I, I connected with this guy the other day. We got on a conversation. He's like, oh, Phil, I wish I had talked with you two months ago because we just signed up with um, XYZ Cable Company for 400 seats. And it was just a matter of when you migrate 
from a Nortel BCM or whatever your PBX is, anyone that comes into your showroom to show you a product and demo it is going to look amazing. It doesn't matter. They're all going to look amazing because they have caller ID. And, you know, it's just, it, they don't, you don't have to write on a piece of paper behind your, your phone buttons anymore. And that's, that's what people don't get is you could show anyone any general VoIP presentation nowadays, and it's all going to look amazing because they're all going to have a thousand features. Yeah. Like you and, said, I, you know, and so I tell, I tell a lot of my MSP partners is it's important we go through this and they see it with their client. Their client works through the different workflows and different demos and it's, well, why are you showing so many demos? Because there's different GUIs and interfaces. It's funny. I have customers that love certain platforms. Then another customer would hate that platform. It really is the, the, you know, the eye of the beholder. They look at the platforms and they fall in love with it. We both know based on the relationship, the deployments, the implementation, the back office support, the engineering, obviously their pops and what they invest in their network, who's going to do a good job. Right. And a lot of, I think, voice providers, sometimes they're, they're all very, very, very good. At their but even own on top of that, even on top of that, we know who might be good now, but might be bad tomorrow because they might go up for sale in six months. The whole, the whole back office, the whole back office might get completely liquidated or, you know, migrated over to some other company and everything goes completely downhill from there. And, or you pour a lot of business on them and they can't handle it. Yeah. Um, so it, it's a lot. There's a lot of there's a lot of different reasons. But more to the point of I got to you know give kudos to Matt. I rem I'll never forget. And and uh, we all love XO. Right? And frankly, you know, without XO, a lot of us learned our technique, our practices. You know, kind of with you know XO throwing us out on the street and learning how to cold call, and knock on doors, and sell those solutions. That was great. I mean, that that taught us all so much. And we're all forever thankful for the opportunity they gave us. And obviously, as a channel partner, we rewarded them and reciprocated um, for allowing us to work there and learn in this business. And we gained so, so much business. But after a while, when we started really understanding the business and understanding that we have to be responsible for our agents from a fiduciary standpoint and our clients and partners. So ours is a three-stack approach, right? We got our agents get to pay. We got partners that bring us opportunities and our clients inadvertently that we're working with. We had to diversify. We had to really sell the providers. So we've seen this a lot of different ways. And I think it's something that, um, you know, has brought a lot of attention to us um, in a good way. I do think the reason why you hear our name is because we do gain the trust of a lot of our partners. And a lot of our partners, you know, bring opportunities to us for a reason. And they know they can, they know that there's different fiduciary models. If they want to run the meetings themselves, handle trouble tickets, issues, outages, do the proposals, and sit through four or five voice demos and do all the network designs, they know they can go get more points and money. But, and similar to us, if we give them an MSP lead, I gave an MSP partner a lead. I didn't even know this, but they were billing $24,000 a month. In our world, that's $125,000 MRC. <laughs> I've never had a deal like that given me. So I just literally for, sent a lead over the fence and an MSP partner was making $24,000 a month uh, in recurring the services. So I, again, I think our model works. I think we do a lot of the heavy lifting and the work um, and because quite frankly, this, this, this takes a lot of focus, a lot of time. And frankly, you need more than 24 hours a day to really do this well. And um, I, I think we're getting better. We've added so many more resources within CSG. Uh, from a marketing standpoint, we've done fantastic. Um, I think Matt and Dave have done an amazing job bringing on new talent, Randy, Devin, Shaquille, Emily, Sarah Layden runs our operations. I think our managing partners have done a fantastic job. 
We have great partners outside of our managing partner model that have also really helped us grow our business. Um, and I, th I think we're, we're setting up the way. We added you, I think, at Cornerstone of Boston, which is fantastic. Uh, I think, Phil, if you remember, first time you and I actually met, I was quoting you at Airspring. Or Air, what was it, Airband? Or Air, was it Airband? Airband. The Airband. Airband. So it was an Airband. And that was a fun I job, go, man. <laughs> it was, yeah. But we were quoting you, and I think you told me Kurt Island and our team sold a deal. And, and you know, similar. You know, any channel it was manager. Fixed wireless you, they, microwave, man. It was fixed, fixed wireless microwave. Hey, and it's, the technology is still out there, man. It's trying to get off the ground. <laughs> Uh, but so, but, and it's, it's a great technology. So you were there and I'll never forget. And Dave and I go, I think I got this really sharp guy. He's, he's well-written, well-spoken. Want to give him a try. I tried so hard. I mean, and so I, you and I met for coffee, the Starbucks by Bobby Van Steakhouse, New York Avenue, same, same steakhouse. And I'll, I'll get back to where that was. Um, and, and I, and I, t I got, this is kudos to you. I sat there and I looked at you and I said something, I go, Phil, I'm probably not going to tell you where you are. <laughs> Let me repurpose you to a carrier where we could actually use you. Do you remember that conversation? So yeah, we, yeah. we had not. It was the easiest interview I ever walked into. I, just so you know, I never told this, but I'm, and I won't mention any names, but when I walked into that interview, the, the VP that was interviewing me said, you know, I don't even know if I should be asking you any questions. I feel like you should be interviewing me. <laughs> that's what they said that's, that's amazing so i brought you was fortunate enough to, to listen to me and say hey what do you want to do we place the swear channel manager you want uh and 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 obviously i think at that point we were president club winners advisory winners of broadview and we got the business moving with you and so we're forever fortunate and grateful for that phil um i think dave made an amazing amazing choice and having you lock down the northeast for us um if you can replicate what we've done which i no doubt that you will I think we'll have our winning ways. And yeah, I mean, back to your point, I think our model's different, no better than any other master. Um, it's worked, right? Um, and the only thing good things happen to bad people. And for the last 13 years, it's, this model has really grown and we're doing things, we're constantly learning. Um, things are changing every day in our industry. So I think taking time out from the day and just reading 15, 20 minutes on what people are doing, what carriers are doing. Um, our carriers are our suppliers, right? They pay us, they're very important. Um, and there are a lot of great people at those carriers. Um, so a lot of it is just educating our clients because when we're in front of our clients, especially with our model, we have to understand what we're doing and who can do what. And I think that's the biggest piece of our business. So with that, if there comes, you know, obviously advocacy for our client and our partner that's bringing us an opportunity, remember there's a partner that's being effective and they made a recommendation to bring us in and the carrier looks bad and we look bad. They don't bring us business. So hopefully I just want to bring this thing full circle so people see the why in it. That's really important. Um, you know, other than that, really, I think, um, I think 2018 is going to be a great year for us. We've already started. We just got back from our Pisces club trip. Unfortunately, Pete, uh, unfortunately you weren't able to be there, Phil. Um, uh, you made it. You made it. Absolutely, you made it. And then you just couldn't come for personal reasons. Um, and I it's think just, we're. You, know, you just when I asked, my, you know, when I asked my friends uh, who could watch seven kids, they all said to me, "Phil, I don't think there's an amount of money that you could pay me to watch seven kids, so you can go on your fresh <laughs> book trip." <laughs> yeah, I don't think there is. God bless you. <laughs> God bless you for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I hopefully you know as far as like the industry. Um, middleman, uh, our differentiating factors at CNSG, uh, technology where it is. Um, I think I hope I answered a lot of those questions. 
I, I do think that things are changing. I do think we can learn from other masters as well. Uh, everybody's doing this some really cool things. Um, I don't think it necessarily needs to be a competition. I think there's enough business out there for everybody, which is the most important thing. I, I will just say this, though, and it's important. Um, and, and the carriers always end up becoming our friends. And some of the best carrier friends we have will say, hey, man, your friendship is too important to me. Until we're stable, don't sell me because I don't want to risk you or your partners. That's super mm. cool. But someone can put, you know, take take the money part out of their pockets and say, hey, the relationship is more important to me right now. The friendship, I've known these guys for 20 years. When they say something like that, that means a lot. Um, being there when there's troubles. I mean, anybody can take orders and high five and love you when you're selling them. But when there's issues and trouble tickets and outages, that's so much so much more important to guys like us because then we can trust that person. We know they'll be there. And what they don't realize is even though they're getting beat up, they're actually going to get more business because they took care of them. So that's really important, I think, to me and my partner base and referral base and our group. And uh, I think that's really it from my end. Uh, so if you have any more questions. No, man, that's great. Thank you very much. I'm going to let you get back to your family, and you have a great night. We're going to do this again. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate it.